HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's show is sponsored by Bob's Red Mill, employee-owned and operated, and founded on the principle of good food for all. Learn more at bobsredmill.com slash podcast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. We are a member-supported, nonprofit food radio station. That means that every single thing we do, from broadcasting 35 weekly shows for free to bringing you exclusive content from sold-out food events across the country to offering scholarships to high school students, is only possible thanks to the support of our loyal members. And we want you to join the club. Become a member during our 2017 Summer Drive to get access to sweet swag and pledge your support to the world's only food radio station. Visit heritageradionetwork.org slash donate to become a member now. to the Grape Nation, your weekly wine journey. Our guest is Gabriella Macari from Macari Vineyards on the North Fork in Mattituck on Long Island. We'll talk to Gabriella about Long Island wines and Macari Vineyards. We'll taste the Sauvignon Blanc. We'll taste... What did, what did you bring in? Cobb Frank, because originally it was a Syrah. She pulled... <laughs> A quick one on me, and we may even uh, try something else. I'm your host, Sam Ben Ruby. Stay with us for the Grape Nation on the Heritage Radio Network. We bring wine to the people. Gabriella Macari grew up around wine, not in France, not in Napa, but on the North Fork of Long Island. She has worked at the family vineyard, Macari Vineyards, since 1995 ish. She is responsible for the winery's marketing, distribution, education, and gets down in the cellar and helps with winemaking. She's a certified sommelier and holds a level four diploma in wine and spirits from the WSET. Gabriella completed the wine executive program at the UC Davis Grad School of Management 
and she is currently studying for her MW, her Masters of Wine. Is that what it stands for? Mm-hmm. Uh, since 2016, so you're a year into this. All right, welcome to the show, Gabriella. Excited to have you here. I want to talk to you about your family, Long Island wines. So what I want to do is I want to get into a few things with you. I want to get into your background because you have an interesting background. I want to talk to you about Long Island wines. I want you to lay a little knowledge on our listeners. And then I want to talk about Macari, which is one of the reasons I asked you to come. I'm interested in Macari. So let's work it in those compartments. Mm -hmm. Okay. So first, let's talk about you. Let's talk about your journey in life and wine that got you to where you are now, which is at Macari Vineyards, the family vineyard. Sure. So tell me how you got there, all the stuff you did, what you're doing now. Sure. So I grew up, um, my mom's family's from, from Argentina and Spain, and my dad's family's from, from Italy. And so I grew up with wine on the dinner table. Um, we were adding club soda to to wine um, as, as kids. And I think it was very, uh, just a very immersive and, and just casual kind of like European childhood. And my grandfather always said that wine brings people together. He had an old potato Who's farm. Whose father, Argentinian or Italian? So my, grand- my Italian grandfather. Okay. Um, so he was probably making wine. So he, he was making wine in his basement in Corona, Queens um, during the Depression and just grew up making uh, wine from whatever he could find. So when um, when they couldn't afford fruit, he would, he would make dandelion wine and uh, sell it in the park in wow. Corona. So he has this sort of um, really emotional connection to, to winemaking and wine. Um, and when he, um, he he worked in real estate and decided to buy a, a farm on the North Fork when nobody wanted to be on the North Fork. And we planted, so I was immersed so um, wait, from a So from he a was in the real estate business. Correct. So we had some sense that there was all this land out right. there. But it was the middle of nowhere. Nowhere. And it was literally potato farm. Mm-hmm. So he decided. He decided to exactly. He decided to buy a, a, an old potato farm with a potato barn and 500 acres. It's waterfront, um, which he saw the value in that from from that perspective. Never really thinking to plant vines, but once the industry started picking up in the in the early 80s, and um, I would say more probably even more late 80s, early 90s, he he really uh, he was just like, let's do this. And so um, the original parcel he bought. He didn't add on. He bought this big parcel, right. and it's still yeah, it's there. It's still there. It's crazy. Exactly. Um, and, you know, we've added so on. So your we were, dad grew up My dad grew up in Queens, yeah. In so Queens. my dad was working in, in construction and real estate. My mom's, a, my mom's an RN and uh, completely changed their lives and, and started So I planting. just have to, in my mind, mm-hmm. when your grandfather bought the farm, bought the farm, um, <laughs> how old was your dad? Oh wow! I don't know. Um, was he a young adult? He was working yeah, he was already. Probably in or? his third, early, oh, okay. early 40s. Okay, so he was a he, mm-hmm. was a girl. he wasn't. Yeah. You know, you're a late teenager. No, no, no. Yeah. Live here. Okay. Oh, when he bought the farm, or when he converted when to a winery. When your grandfather. Oh, bought sorry. The farm. Your dad. So yeah, was, my 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 um, my aunts and, and my father were were young. Yeah, so they would okay, they so would they, come visit the farm and okay, camp cool. out and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. All right. So now your grandfather gets out there and not right away, but he starts growing planting and growing grapes. Right. So sort of tasting wine from the region, realizing the quality and and having this nostalgic, emotional connection to wine and winemaking and saying, you know, let's do this. And he, he always has this idea of, of passing on 
something to the next generation. And that's, that was his goal was just to pass a business on that was, you know, important to him. And so he, um, we, we planted a lot of vines. <laughs> Cornell at the time, you know, was telling us to plant a lot of Merlot and a lot of, um, a lot of Chardonnay because they're easy to grow and they were, they were doing, you they know, were not indigenous, but right. they were easy to grow. Exactly. So, they so no hybrids. These. Yeah. We're, we're using vinifera and, um, so we realized the quality potential for sure. But my brothers and I were so wait, super fill in young. A gap sure, me. sorry, I keep skipping. No, 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 no. <laughs> so your grandfather's out there. Okay. Your dad eventually moves out there, or he grew up there. No, so yeah, my parents moved out. They, they moved, moved, out, moved there. Us out of Queens, and mm-hmm. they decided to get into the wine making. Exactly. Yeah. Because a fair thing to say is. Macari is a Long Island wine family that's been out there as long as anyone, but they weren't the first to make wines on Long Island. Right. No, we're right? not the first, no. Right. Yeah, the Hargraves were making wine in the right. 70s. <laughs> Mid-70s. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and so... So when do you jump into all of this? <laughs> we're back to you now. In, in regards to wine, I guess, uh, yeah. just like we always joke, we're like, child labor? Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, no, but we, my brothers and I were just really immersed in, um, in in everything from when we started. And we, I mean, I have memories of being at the winery on a school night, you know, at 11 p.m. watching the pump overs. And um, I was very illegal behind the bar. For sure, pouring wine at like so twelve you were years a high old. Schooler? <laughs> yeah, for sure. You were like a mid-teen yeah, or something, and serving wine um, and pretending to be eighteen, which hopefully no one's listening from. So you were involved yes, with everything. Mm-hmm. You were thrown into the fire. We were all, yeah. I guess my brothers and I, my brother grew up sort of like he knows the vineyard like the back of his palm. He grew up in the in between the vines, and now he's our vineyard manager, and um, and we all, uh, you know, grew up with with this sort of farming background so we did you like it or like you had to do it because it's family and sure. you resented a little or it 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 felt good to you yeah I you know I loved it and there was a point where I was like okay my parents were like you can do whatever you want with your life where you can't you don't have to work here and when I stepped away and went to college um I realized I miss it so much I miss being outside I miss be, like seeing being in a farm and I realized how much people were curious about wine in general. So people, oh, where are you from? North Fork. Oh, what do you do? Whatever. You so know, you we, had to get make, outside right. to realize inside was kind of like, cool, oh, right? Oh, it's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. I can tell people about winemaking and viticulture. And um, people are, I think, now more than ever really curious about that. Yes. And so there, it was a, it's a really good time. So in so college, you, you know. You finish high school, work on the family farm, do every job, winery. You go to college. You go to Fordham. So you don't go far away. Right. Live at Fordham. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you'd come back every now and then, help, summers yeah. off, all of that stuff. So you finish, and are you as involved college years at the winery as you could be? Yes. I mean, I realize you're in classes, semesters. In the summer, for sure, and I would do events all the time in the city, so okay. my mom would call me and be like, hey, there's a tasting. Can you, are you, are you, do you have class? Can you do it? So I would do the tastings so you'd start and come back on weekends. start brand ambassador in a way. I would bring people out. The president of our university was like, oh, I love wine. you know. And he came <laughs> out. He blessed the vineyard. And I had a crazy group of friends that just loved coming out and hanging out on, the, on the farm. So And they probably knew nothing about Right, and now know. they have this great appreciation, which is, I mean, the the closeness to New York City and the Bronx and Brooklyn right. is, is unbelievable. We're so really you, lucky. You finish college, you stay involved with the uh, winery, 
you get like the head priest guy at Fordham to bless the vineyards, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Then you finish college. It was and what an ha- honor. Yeah. What happens? Uh, so I finished college, and I, I actually finished early and applied for randomly for this for this job in marketing and public relations in the wine and spirits business. And I just I knew that I wanted to stay in that world, but I knew that I couldn't just go back. So I realized that I wanted to. Um, to just learn as much as I could so that I can bring that knowledge back to my family. So I sure. started working at a boutique PR firm for um, th- three and a half, four years. Wow. Um, and so we represented uh, Moet, all their wine brands. We represented, uh, my big project was uh, Ribera del Duero. So we managed their, mm-hmm, we managed their uh, campaign supported by the EU and the U.S., which was incredible. I mean, we went right. to San Francisco and L.A. and Chicago and Florida, learned about distribution. Spanish wines still don't get their due, and they're no. great. Did I'm you a feel huge that champion. then? No, I, do, I still do. Yeah, and I, they're, yeah, they're not there yet. And you could relate to that a little with Long Island. For too. sure. So you do that, you gain a great body of experience, mm-hmm. I would imagine, right? For sure. So you leave there, and what happens? I quit in 2012 and went to Champagne. Champagne, <laughs> so, France. Yeah. To what, work uh, yeah. I did a little. I had a yeah. um, Adrian Chalk set me up. He's an he's an importer. He's a brilliant importer, and he set me up with a a petite stage in Champagne. And what um, is that? A petite stage. Well, it was just like a small little internship, and uh, it was you know two weeks. um, And I wanted to work. I wanted to get dirty and and get out in the vineyard. And they were like, you know, sort of like, okay, here's your internship. Drink this champagne. It's eight a.m. Like, no, I want to (laughs) work. Um, but I learned so much, met so many amazing people. Your family people. was okay with that? <clears throat> yeah. Well, you're already, you know, your own person by now. Right, right. And it was it was eye-opening and, you know, um, I was able to sort of step back from that experience and, and bring that to, to my family. So you come back from Champagne and then what, you jump into the winery? I jumped into distribution and, and sort of um, started hitting up restaurants and visiting and that's sort of where I decided to take the education forward was because I realized I didn't know as much as all these sommeliers I was speaking to and I really wanted to to, to understand what they were saying and understand um, acidity and, and tannin and, and why certain things happen and, and winemaking and, and so I really took the WSCT seriously at that time and then I also um, just visited people and called and you kind of immersed called. yourself into the mm-hmm. world so you got a level four certification. How long did that take? The actual diploma took about a year and a half of intensive study. Intense, mm-hmm. like, but it was—I mean, it's nights a, home and oh, for sure. Head in the book. Mm-hmm. And really? it, you know, it's 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 beautiful because I love to learn, and I think that you know you should never stay stagnant. I think right. even people that have degrees and certifications still need to But most continue. people who do what you do don't have the curiosity or the need to know that much more. Right. I mean, you did. You know, you were compelled to immerse yourself into it, which is a great thing. I mean, you gave yourself a pretty good background in a lot of good ways. I said in the in your intro that you went to UC Davis. When did that come about? So that was actually just a, an executive program that my brother and I did. It was a really intense immersion into sort of like the business and the trends of what's happening at what was what was happening at that point. 
um, and we met really you know incredible winemakers and a lot of a lot of brand representatives that um, that were talking about trends in the in the business and it was fascinating to learn about what Andy Walker Dr. Andy Walker is doing out there and, and studying that's, vines that's and the school for amazing the wine. research yeah I mean he's breeding for disease resistant vines right now yeah. it's unbelievable Crazy. and that was an incredible experience when was that I would think that was like 2000. 13 okay. or something. So mm. what happens after that? So, I mean, I, I guess I just really immersed myself in New York City and, and um, we've started just doing a lot of tasting and meeting people and we get tremendous support from from awesome restaurants and that was just like a huge, I mean, people, we always had people supporting us, but we really increased our direct-to-trade uh, sales and that was just is so humbling and we're so appreciative still to this day for people but, supporting know, us. I think about it, you know, as like a wine aficionado, a foodie and all that, you know, somebody who goes to restaurants, you know, it's been, I wouldn't say a long haul, but a steady haul for Long Island mm-hmm. wines to get placed in restaurants and the recognition. I mean, was it hard work? To, to twist some arms. I think. I mean, I never had to twist an arm. There was absolutely, like, absolutely rejection, of course. But I think that um, once I got the appointment and the wine was in the glass, people were blown away. So and to this day, like, if I, if you know, you meet someone and put the wine in the glass, I think they're really pleasantly surprised. Right. Who better than a family member? Right. You know, where the heart and soul of the family goes into the wine, and you present it to a restaurant. Plus, I think. They feel a loyalty to supporting. If the quality is there. I mean, some people wouldn't do it if there was no quality, but it's there. I'm sure if some Mm -hmm. Long Island people make wines that suck and they've been shown (laughs) the door, you know. So, All right. So then we're getting close to now. To now. (laughs) Then you decide to go after the highest certification in wine. Oh, wow. Yeah. About a year ago or so, right? The uh, MW, the Master of Wine. Um, and that's tell us a little about that. We've had people on who have it, mm-hmm. but just you know, tell sure. us. Yeah, it's just sort of a. Um, it was a natural progression for me, and I was really inspired by um, my father's really good friends with Lisa Granick. She's a master of wine, and right. she's brilliant, and she's been a champion of our wines, and she's been visiting for probably twenty eighteen years really? and telling us what to, what what she thinks we should do. And her feedback has been so incredible, and I've always looked up to her and. Um, I think, you know, the MW just seemed like a very far away challenge. And then I finished the diploma. Does she hold an MW? Mm-hmm. I finished the diploma and I was like, what else can I do to learn more? Um, and so she wrote my rec- recommendation letter and I didn't think I'd be accepted and they accepted me. And you know what? It, it's, this is one it's of the hardest fun. tests it's, of tests. Forget wine. It's really ridiculous. Um, but the journey to even be being able to sit the exam is is really beautiful because it's humbling and so um, where are you at in the process so just finished stage one i took the exam uh it's a written exam this past this uh, june 5th and that's written how many stages do you have to go through so uh the second stage is is they're very aptly named stage two um and so it's it's four days of tasting and uh, 12, 12 flights, uh, 12 wine flights. And, All blind, you mm, have to identify. Yeah. So and you're in essays. the process now of tasting everything that's every not day. nailed down mm-hmm. every day. Yeah. And you pass the written part. So I won't find out. 
Yeah. You don't it know was yet? It written and tasting. I won't find out until next month. Okay. And then is there a third stage? Uh, sure, yes. Yeah. So the third stage, if you pass that four-day torture. <laughs> the tasting torture? Mm-hmm. Tasting okay. and, and essay torture. Uh, the, the last stage is research paper, so you have to define a top, pick okay. a topic and, and write a, a research paper on it. So even if you don't, you can go back and do exactly. it again, right? right? I mean, it could take some people a few years. Some oh, it people, takes people their a long six, eight, nine. A lot. Yeah. Okay. And you know, if I never, if it never happens, it, it's all it's the fun. knowledge. The game. knowledge is exactly. Um, you'll do it. <sighs> Trust me, you'll <sighs> do it. All right. So that's that's you up until now, and currently you're focused on the family winery. Mm-hmm. You handle. Let's talk about all the different hats you wear. Um, you know, we're, we're we're a team, and it's funny. Like I've, every time I try to describe my my title, it's really there's there is none, and we're all hands on deck all the time. Right. Um, but I oversee distribution, and I oversee. Um, you know, the big thing for us right now is tasting room, and we're really trying to. Um, increase hospitality and increase uh, experience and exactly exactly so there's you know a lot of that happening a lot of tasting room experience changes and um i mean in I, met cellar. You, I met you at a trade tasting <laughs> right you know where there were retailers yep. journalists restaurants and you've done a bunch of those oh yeah the mm-hmm. first part of the year now you're out at the tasting room you're in season now for sure right and I saw in a few different places, I wouldn't use the word metal, but you're involved with the winemaking process. Yeah, Kelly, uh, Kelly Koch is our head winemaker. She's unbelievable. Um, She's been with you for years, Yeah, right? so since 2010. We're so lucky. And, you know, her and I were friends, actually. Uh, we played volleyball on the beach together really? before she was our winemaker. And she she's part of the family. And I've learned so much from her. And it's so fun to be down there. I mean, in 2013... My dad and I were drinking a lot of coat roti, and we were like, we want to do something with Syrah? this Viognier. Yeah, so or we like co well, it's Syrah, but we right. co-fermented a little bit of Viognier. Kelly's like, that's awesome. You know, and we're really uh, always bouncing ideas off each other, and she's so willing to um, experiment, and but still like maintain that really focused quality all the time. And I know you would like to know about that part of the business because it's the family business, but do you envision yourself one day making wines or I think collaborating is is the, the most beautiful thing and and no I think that um I think that if you are able, if you're representing your wine like you have to understand right the pH I, that is. part I get mm-hmm. you know you but have you to, may be driven yeah. to like you know I want my own cuvier right or no I think you know the beauty is, Time is will collaboration tell on that, but you yeah. want the knowledge and the on-hand experience right of course all right so that's Gabriella up until the present now, the other thing I want Gabriella to talk about is, from her perspective, I want you to talk to me about Long Island, Long Island wine history, mm-hmm. wines in Long Island. Um, you don't have to get too nerdy, too deep. The good news is, and I'll set it up a little, the Long Island wine making industry really started in the mid-70s. You had mentioned the family's name. What was it? Hargrave? Mm-hmm, 73, yeah. Um, and then I think there was the Mud family after. Mm-hmm. They were now wine consultants. And then little by little, people started buying land. Some famous people came in. And I think, what, in the last five, ten years, it's popped even more? Sure. So where do we start? 
There's the North Fork of Long Island where the majority of wineries are. Mm -hmm. Why were people attracted to, like your your grandfather, it's a potato farm. Who told him he could grow wine there? Why did that happen? You know, he didn't even know. I think he just, he bought that as a real estate investment. um, And when he saw other people actually, you know, making high quality wines, he was like, okay, let's do this. And there were consultants brought in from Bordeaux and people coming to visit that, that were affirming you know, Richard Smart came and said, these are some of the best soils I've ever seen and things like that. And, um, we, he, he realized that it, there was potential there. So um, let's talk about the soil for a second. Sure. I would guess because it's a long strip on the sound on one side and then, you know, the fork and all of that. What, what is the soil? So it's super, you know, we actually had a soil scientist visiting from Australia. We, his daughter was interning with us and he said, he did an analysis and he was like blown away. We have really geologically young soils and um and that's interesting and exciting but the, the biggest thing when you say that there's vineyards in france right. ancient volcanic Australia, like, yeah. right so this is a relatively young soil exactly. what's the composition and so there's a ton of a ton of sand and so and, and sand and exactly um mix of we have like a mix of clay as well but the sand is in our vineyard in particular because our property faces a Long Island Sound, um, there's amazing drainage. So if it ever rains, Sand I mean, it rained drainage. yesterday, right. and then I drove on the vineyard, and I didn't even hit any pot, like, I didn't hit any mud, you it's know? Crazy. And um, and that's why we can produce the, the fruit that we produce. So when you dig, if you dig in Napa or you dig in France, you'll hit limestone, right. pebbles. Dra- yeah. You dig there, it's very sandy and loamy. Sandy, loamy. Like a foot mm-hmm. down, Yeah, there's foot. bedrock, yeah, but it's, They yeah. compare it to the French Bordeaux region mm-hmm. of Graves. Right. You know, there's a similar sandy, loamy there. Yep. Um, all right, so let's talk about the other thing, weather. The climate, yeah. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I, to me, that doesn't sound like an easy deal. No, it's funny, like, everyone thinks... Uh, winemaking is so glamorous and viticulture can be so glamorous, but you're a farmer and you, you know, and people forget that. And we are faced with on the North Fork specifically faced with severe challenges in every day. Uh, there's tons of disease pressure. There's a lot of, why is there disease humidity and humidity causes downy powdery, you know, it could support downy and powdery. Um, and, and is that the grape, the leaves and the vines? Um, and you, you don't want a humid vine at the end of the day. So you're automatically in a more challenging wine growing area because of the geography Mm -hmm. between the sound and the ocean and the ports and all of that. But because of, because of the geography, we are blessed with these incredible, incredibly moderate uh, seasons. And that's, I mean, that's something that everybody, everybody that comes to visit our farm in particular steps out. We drive back to the, to the waterfront and you are literally facing Connecticut and you see the Long Island Sound and that there's a wind that blows from the bluff and it keeps our vineyard dry, drier than, than other sites. And um, and cool and that cool there's climate viticulture exactly right? meso exactly there's all these mm. and it basically the viticulture um, I think in, in our vineyard specifically is really special really you're in a good spot so when you talked about disease the mildew from the humidity there's the old Napa disease killer phylloxera is, right. was that an issue in no, Long Island not, no I, not to my knowledge and you know we had some like aerial like some version of phylloxera that, that was a threat but we um, you know I think our plant material is is good and 
we we buy from nurseries and we know you, right. you know what you're getting and we didn't we never really had any threat. When you buy from nurseries, do you buy all over the country or local? You know, Herman like, Veemer just uh, well, from not just, New but York? yeah, they they do a really good from job. Like and then Riesling of course California, whatever. right? Mm-hmm. So you will bring in stock from California, right. upstate, and all of that. It's crazy. All right, so let's talk about the fruit, the grapes. I, I don't know if there's anything indigenous to the area, but there are grapes that grow well mm-hmm. or better than others. Mm-hmm. So what kind of started out? I know you guys have a million varietals, and we'll get into that a little later. Yep. But I, I know for a fact, and correct me if I'm wrong, most of the plantings is Chardonnay. Is There's a, a large amount of Chardonnay, Merlot planted, and Cornell University, you know, did studies and said plant this because you know they're both easy to grow, and um, we knew we'd be faced with this humidity issue. And you told me that offline mm-hmm. when you started that Chardonnay and. Um, Merlot, because that's what everyone said. So I guess everyone got an early start, and that's why there's more of that. Right. And what what evolved? Since then, you know, Cabernet, <coughs> obviously the blending people uh, compared us to Bordeaux, so the blending grapes, you know, Cap Franc, Cap Sauv, Malbec, Petit Bordeaux. Um, so we have all, all of the, the grapes planted from Bordeaux, and um, we fell in love, my father fell in love with Cabernet Franc, and you know, when people more weren't than other making, vineyards, exactly. You, you know, know in the beginning, there were a couple people making 100% Cap Franc, and he, my father, but was he, always like, he was a cheerleader for and sure. Yeah, he loves the Loire Valley, and right. he he really just wanted. To, like he the, loved it on its own. You know, tasting blind, he was like, it's "This is the great." Fourth on its own. most planted grape on the island, so it's not like an outlier. Right. I mean, Riesling is less, and even Sauv Blanc. Right. So, so grape wise. It's predominantly Chard, Merlot, Cap Sauvignon, Cap Franc, and like you said, everyone's growing Bordeaux varieties. Right, and we have, you know, we love Sauvignon Blanc. That's another grape that we think, obviously, like you want to produce what you can enjoy with with food right. from the region. So we have oysters and and seafood and um, local produce and Sauvignon it, it Blanc makes is sense an to the incredible area. Pe- planning, yeah, pairings. Yeah. Now, is it that much harder to grow any one particular grape than others, or are you kind of figured it all out? Oh yeah, no. Um, I mean, the Syrah is one of my. I brought it. It's one of my favorite. Uh, I love the Rhone Valley, and it's. I love Syrah, and it's really hard to grow. It I mean, is. there were there were years. There's before 2010, we put deer fencing up in 09. So you met your match. Yeah, well, with Syrah. I don't know. I like it, when you say yeah, it's hard. It's, what's the so what's hard? I mean, for example, the Syrah was planted by this 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 uh, forest, and the deer were attacking it every uh. year. And so it always had like a light crop and raw, and just like sometimes it doesn't set right. Like the Malbec doesn't set right all the time. It's just like every grape has a story, and every but you that know, one's more finicky than exactly than Pinot. The Pinot's really difficult to grow. We have a little bit. It's difficult everywhere. everywhere. It's the most finicky grape. Exactly. So with that inconsistent climate and yeah. you know loamy soil and all of exactly. that, it would be tough. Um, we'll talk about specific plantings and varietals when I talked about Macari. But what do you think the biggest mi- misconception about Long Island wines is? I mean, you must run into accolades and objections. Sure. What are I mean, the misconceptions? I think people, you know, and I, my biggest thing with wine in general is that it's alive, and you can taste a bottle that um, that doesn't bring you joy, that um, may bring someone else joy because the bottle's completely different. And I think that 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 you need to sort of always remember that things evolve and that vintages change. So in 2011 and 2012, we had severe rain. We didn't make red. We didn't make a... Tough season. We didn't season. produce anything. And, and wasn't 09, like, ideal? 09 was good, but 10 was incredible. 10 was the... 
the best year. Yeah. And, you know, we, we didn't really put anything out, but like if potentially, you know, we have put out wines, you know, in, in bad years and that's not representative. You know, we don't, we just only put out what we, what we love. And I think that if you had a wine from Long Island, maybe five years ago that you didn't enjoy, go back, visit the region. So the misconception, the misconception is, is, is they've only gotten better. Only better. It's the so best don't time. go by, give it another chance. And I think yeah. that with everything, even like I was, you know, skeptical so, about Argentina and, you know, you go back and you taste right. and you're like, oh, wow, there's some really it's incredible It's the same stuff with any region exactly. that's growing. Well, what do you think you've done to sort of shake that image? Get out to tastings? I get, you know, getting the wine. You, you're slow, bring wine to the people, right? Like, right. I feel like it's like. Bring wine to, and that's exactly. what you personally do. So the way to to really get people to understand Long Island wines is to get them to taste mm-hmm. it and shake the uh, the image of the past For and sure. all of that. Do you feel that the island as a whole, everybody's starting to make better wines? For sure, a hundred percent. You know, we are really good friends with with a lot of uh, grape growers and a lot of wine winery owners, and I think that it's better than ever. Um, And everyone's on board with quality. Everyone's focused on quality. And, um, you know, if they're not, they're standing out. They're serious. Yeah. All right. I want to ask you two things, and then let's talk about Macari Vineyard specifically. You know, we're talking about Long Island. We'll plug in Macari. Um, The majority of wineries are on the North Fork. There's a very small handful of wineries on the South Fork. Mm -hmm. I think it's Wolfer, maybe Duck Channing's out there, yeah. Channing's doing a great job. Chris Tracy's a good winemaker. Yeah. What's the difference between the wines? If you took similar varietals but different, is there... I think it's per, you know... Climate? The climate's challenging on the South Fork. More than by you? You know, I don't know specifically. I think that um, the the biggest thing is that the barrier to entry in the South Fork is absolutely insane based on real estate. Real estate. And so if you want to start a winery in the South Fork, it's it's incredibly challenging. Even and back in the 70s, and sure. when your grandfather bought, nobody was buying stuff on the South Fork for and sure. saying, let's... Right. So that's why everyone settled there. Right. Um, but can you... If I blind tasted a red from the South and the North, can you no. really... So there's nothing <laughs> I major can't. there. No. All right. All right, last thing is tell me about, and I think this is important to Long Island, Long Island wineries, and important to um, to Macari. There's this word I keep coming across called agritainment. <laughs> Tourism is important to For any sure. wine region, Napa, Absolutely. Bordeaux, and all that. What's agritainment out on Long Island? What's well, it's funny you say, I mean, I tell people this all the time. We're, my family and I are very honest. My mom's always really honest. My dad's really honest with, with um, what he does and his philosophy. And um, I think that if it wasn't for the people that visit our winery, we wouldn't survive. Um, and we are so thankful. We have a really incredible wine club and people that come back every year and they, you know, they get married and, and they have this, these special moments and and have this sort of experience and that's so beautiful and that's possible because we're close to a city and right. we have a really unique I always everywhere I go I always try to compare our situation to other situations and if you go to France, Italy, Spain, Germany, um, parts of the old world, they don't have that tourism component. So they're right. they're relying on on their export markets and right. that, that takes a cut. And that can be incredibly challenging, and we are so lucky. There's over a million visitors. It's like oh, it's like one three estimated yeah, a, a year. Um, I'd assume two. You know, it's it's a lot. So it's an important component 
to business, exactly. exposure, sales, you for know, sure. all of that stuff. Plus, a lot of the wineries, including yours, have incredible facilities where you could do events and partying right. and all of that. We just, we just launched a private barrel cellar um, under the Mattituck Tasting Room, and we did an event there. Um, it, it, we did a, a vertical of Bergen Road, which is one of our Bordeaux blends, and when people, we booked out in like a day. Yeah. People are so excited to yeah. do anything. I mean, it's spectacular out there. It really is. Yeah. I think, you know, as hot as the Hamptons has been for a long time, I think you're going to see a big swell in the North Fork in the next 10 years, which is good for business. Absolutely. But it's not going to feel like it did, you know, 10 right. years later. All right. Let's talk. We're talking to Gabriella Macari. Gabriella is uh, part of her family winery, Macari Vineyards, out on Long Island. Let's talk about Macari Vineyards specifically. We know a little about what's going on in Long Island, the soil, the weather, all the other stuff. Um, what? So you said you have 500 acres. How much of that is planted to grapevines? It's about 180 planted under vine. Is that one of the larger wineries as far as acres planted to wine? Mm-hmm, yeah, it's, I believe, to my knowledge, it's the second. Okay. You know. um, and let's talk about varietals with that much land you said to me earlier your dad loves cab frank right. you know he could uh experiment with that what are the major varietals and wines that you guys are growing sure so merlot cab franc cab sauv malbec petit verdot sauvignon blanc um and and chardonnay and uh my my father loves champagne so he planted pinot noir pinot meunier um, which are super exciting, right. and and we're so lucky to have those vines planted. Um, we planted a little a little bit of uh, Gruner. We have an Austrian friend who's a winemaker. That's funny. And um, and Riesling. You know, you yeah, said, right? we don't have any Riesling. You don't? No, you know the climate. You know, it's, it's a better. It's a great more suited to the Finger Lakes. And right. It, it but you're telling really well me Gruner will grow and Riesling. It, you know, for fun, I think okay. we planted a little bit, and okay. we'll see what happens. Um, a little bit of Friulano. You brought in a couple of wines, and we're going to taste it during our weekly wine sip. But we cracked open a bottle of <laughs> Cab Franc, mm-hmm. which you brought in because you thought it would be fun for us to taste. Just tell me quickly about the wine we're drinking. Sure. Um, what, I, what I love doing, I love saving as many reds that we can and holding them back. And um, this particular bot, this vintage 2008 Cab Franc was held back for a friend for a restaurant. And... Um, and the restaurant closed, and we got really lucky because it evolved so well. And I think that people, I think Americans, I think people all over the world drink wine way too young. Sure. No one ages anything. So if you could sort of like employ the uh, Rioja model and age it for, for, for them and age it in the cellar, I think that's beautiful. So we are starting to hold back on, on some of our reds so that we can host events and sell more to our wine club. We've been doing library wines. Anyways, this is the 08 Cab Franc. Hundred percent, hundred percent Cabernet Franc. There's estate grown, all estate grown. Okay, all of our wines are, and you know, there's a little bit more more new wood here than we we were using it's a lot not, of more. I, you don't get it. Yeah, it's not a oaky woody wine. I mean, it's right. a, you know, I've been a naysayer on Long Island wines because I always say life is short. You know, if you. <laughs> 
you're not going to live forever and you're going to drink a bottle of wine, you know, drink a Bordeaux or Burgundy. Don't screw up. My dad says that too. You you know, but that's not fair. That's why I have you on. And this wine (laughs) happens to be terrific. I would drink this wine anytime. That's so funny. And I think one of the nice things you did is you held it back so that when it goes to the market, it's aged. And I think it shows people that Long Island wines that are made well um, will age. I think one of the important things about Macari, and I need you to talk about this a little, is there's sort of this holistic, biodynamic Mm -hmm. approach, sustainability to farming. Mm -hmm. That's a big deal. So tell me what they're doing, how long it's been going on. There's animals running around the place. Yeah, that's a crazy place. Um, When my father first started um, planting people, my brothers and I were young, and we were hanging out in the vineyards and driving four-wheelers, and we were always out on the farm every single day, and people would drop off, like, chemical you know, brochures and tell him he had to spray these these, these really dangerous chemicals right. in order to survive, and everyone does it. This is what you should do. And he, you know, and then they'd be like, but you can't be in the vineyard for, like, two days. And my dad would be like, I don't want to do this. Doesn't so he sound right to him. Didn't sound right to him, and he didn't want to do it, you know, because of us, a lot of, the, you know, the, the biggest reason. And he found... Um, Alan York, who sadly just you know recently passed away, but he's a consultant and was a consultant in California, and um, he came. I can remember Alan so clearly and just super passionate, and started a composting program with us. And we bought some cows, and you know we were making 500 and 501 prepara- all these biodynamic crazy preparations, and we still do. And it's it, it's t- my father thinks it's why our fruit you know is awesome. I think he's right, and. You know, we're not certified. You're not overplanting, but you practice. We practice, and we're not certified. I don't know if we ever could be because we're so large. Right. um, But biodiversity means rich soil, and rich soil means good fruit. And I think you've seen that payback on that. A hundred percent. I mean, you don't. Even though you're not certified, you don't deviate from it, really, right? We don't deviate it, and you know, even more with like with me, just like reading a lot more about about biodynamics, I, I think that like we really want to get back into doing more. I mean, it's prevention, right? So right. it's preventing certain things and your vineyard can get stronger. And I think, you know, everything in moderation, sure. But Right. So quickly, because we're going to take a break soon and I want you to answer my wine list because I want your take on a bunch of things. There are, we talked about varietals. There are multiple bottlings. I mean, you make Bordeaux blend mm-hmm. cuvées. You make blended whites and reds. Mm-hmm. What are those called? The uh, Dos Aguas. Dos Aguas, yeah. Um, so you make a Bergen Road, which is a higher-end red, an Alexandra, which is not in every vintage right. year, right? Right, no. You make a Dos Aguas white and red. Mm-hmm. Some of the whites may have five, six, seven different varietals yep. in it. Yep, that's a new project. White varietals. Mm-hmm. You make your shards. You make dessert wines. I think the uh-huh. core the core tier really is is uh, Sauvignon Blanc, Chardonnay, Cabernet Franc, and that's the, and the big Dos Aguas. Production. Mm-hmm. That's every year, and that's sort of like what you know we we I think we started experimenting a lot, and we had a lot of skews, and you know a lot well, of people. Well, obviously, it's you overwhelming. Didn't so you drive your focus. dad too crazy because he made a Cab, <laughs> Cab Franc cuvee after you, right? Oh no! I would assume no. the Gabrielle is yours. I don't. I don't know anything about that wine. All right, so we'll talk about Macari's uh, website and all that tasting room. There's a huge tasting room that's open. We'll get to that in a few minutes. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're talking to Gabriella Macari from Macari Vineyards. When we get back, we're going to have her answer the wine list. You're listening to The Grape Nation on Heritage Radio Network.
I'm Mike Calameco, host of Food Talk on Heritage Radio Network, and I'm here with Bob Moore, founder of Bob's Red Mill, as well as Ray and Tom Williams, who've worked with Bob for years and co-own an organic farm in eastern Oregon and Washington. Ray, Tom, why is organic farming so important to your family? It's all a matter of the soil is a source of nutrients. You increase organic matter of the soil, you increase the water holding capacity. Water is becoming increasingly scarce. So in terms of sustainability, we don't think it's the only answer, but it's one answer, and it's the answer that we're trying to pursue. It's been a challenge, and it's been fun, because it, it is different, and we're learning how to do it for the last 10-plus years. We're not just doing organic, we're doing organic to high standards. Bob, why did you choose to partner with Ray and Tom? Oh, goodness. Well, because they're the best farmers in Oregon, and they're close, and they have a bunch of acres, I think about 10,000, over in, in eastern Oregon and Washington. They're wonderful farmers, and their family have been farmers over there uh, for many, many years. It's really important that you have long-term relationships, and we've enjoyed a long-term relationship with Bob's because there are a lot of challenges to organic farming. You simply don't have as many tools as a conventional farmer, and so you have to rely on longer-term solutions. Knowing that you have a market is absolutely critical. The margins in farming are not that great, so if you grow the stuff and you can't sell it, you have a real problem. And we know with Bob's that we have a market, and uh, we turn out high-quality grains, and they buy them, and it all works well. Learn more about Bob's Red Mill and their commitment to good food for all at bobsredmill.com slash podcast. Hi, I'm Sherry Bayer, host of All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network, a weekly show dedicated to behind-the-scenes talents in the hospitality industry. Tune in on Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, to hear about the incredible careers of top restaurant and hospitality professionals. Plus, on each episode, I tip the show off with a PR tip, feature a speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question, which ties the series together. Support my show and all of Heritage Radio Network's programming. Go to heritageradionetwork.org and click on the beating heart to become a member today. All right, we're back. We're back with my guest, Gabriella Macari from Macari Vineyards out on Long Island. I now want to subject Gabriella to our weekly wine list. And I want you to answer this thinking about two things. New York City, which you spend a lot of time in, and Long Island, which you also spend a lot of time in. So the first question is, what are you drinking now? What is Gabriella drinking now? And not the 2008 Cap Frank, but are you obsessing on something? Are you testing things? Are you trying? Are you loving something? Are you seasonal? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kelly and I have been drinking a lot of sparkling for the past couple of years. And, um, Pet net? Sparkling, yeah, you know, we, made, we made a champagne. sparkling cap franc, um, and it was supposed to be traditionally discords. We called it horses, and it, it's doing really well. We only make a couple hundred cases, and it flies in the tasting room. Sparkling cap franc, okay. and I was inspired actually by um, by uh, wine I tasted in Brooklyn at diner. Um, but I, yeah, we love sparkling, and okay. I think that that I've been tasting a lot from but sparkling wine, well, like champagne. Cava, champagne, yeah. all that. So stuff. much champagne. I, I think I love it's champagne. the most underrated wine. 
Um, okay, so you are drinking sparkling and you are drinking champagne, cavas. You're drinking. I mean, English had an English sparkling last yeah, night. That was that's outstanding. Starting to come around. Mm-hmm. All right, tell me your favorite wine and food pairing. So funny. I, I guess from working with Spain. Um, I always have this incredible moment when I drink a fi- like a fino paired with any sort of tapas, and I think I love so sherry. Fino sherry, mm-hmm. okay. Um, and I think that pairing so is fino is sherry. Fino is a type of sherry, right? What type is it? A dry and old? Yeah, so young? it's dry, and I, you know, it's I, aged. It's it's. I mean, biologically, okay. <laughs> you just sell it. All right. Um, and what do you like that with? I you know, any tapa. I mean, I think like pan con tomate and like manchego. Okay. I think that that just so brings cheese, back such tapas. good memories. Is about Spain and good call on that. Um, good call, a fino sherry. Obviously, with champ- tapas. so cliche, champagne no, and anything. Well, yeah, <laughs> I mean, we get champagne pizza, champagne yeah. fried chicken, champagne popcorn. Right. But I'll take your fino and tapas answer. All right, give me your favorite wine restaurant and or bar. Give me one or two, Long Island and New York City. Wow, um, Brooklyn. I okay. mean, you know. We always have an awesome time, my family and I, at 18 Bay on Shelter Island. 18 Bay? 18 Bay. Um, on Shelter Island. Chefs that cooked in the city. Okay. I mean, really I, delicious. I would guess awesome you're food. probably right. Um, good wine service. Really selection. phenomenal. Good selection. Lots okay. of local. And I think that's important, you know, for the for the North. When you come to visit, you can't hit, you can't visit every winery. And I don't encourage right. that. I really actually encourage only one or two a day because right. I think you forget where you go. Yeah. Um, and... I think that um, uh, what they do there is, you know, you can you can be taste other wines, and right. I think that's that's really same beautiful. thing with Napa. Can't yeah. hit every winery, but right? You go to a you great you know, you wine really. restaurant, exactly. And you sample. All right, what about you? Got a favorite wine skewing restaurant or bar in Manhattan, Brooklyn? Oh wow! I, I, anything Danny Meyer. I mean, Danny Meyer supported us from the start, and I think that. You cannot go wrong on any Denny Meyer. Is list. there any one place that got heavier into it? Was it Gramercy sure, or North and the Grill. Modern? North and Grill North supported and Grill. us like crazy. Um, and I think that, you know, Jeff even, Taylor is there now. Yeah. He's coming on the show in about a month. Awesome. Even Eleven I mean Eleven Madison yes. sit at the bar and they're yep. they were the really first people to um, to promote New York. And right. that, I mean, that was so, I cried. When they that's put a, us on the list, I started crying. That's a good restaurant. And that was Dustin. You know, I just like Really humbling. Um, All right, so those are good ones. What is Gabriella's favorite all-time wine? Does anything stick to you, resonate, change your life, got you into it? Sure. My my dad has an incredible cellar, and he um, he makes it sure that none of my brothers and I develop a cellar palate. (laughs) Only that means just like really only tasting your own wine. Um, And my sort of like. The first wine I remember thinking this is incredible was was Dagenov, so a Sauvignon Blanc from the Loire Valley, and that wine has evoked such an emotional response every time I taste it, even even now. Um, it's limited, it's expensive, but so it's so. What is it? It's it's a Sauvignon Blanc from the Loire Valley, right? It's a Loire um, Sauvignon Dag, Dagenov. You said, yeah, I know exactly what you're yeah. talking about. I would um, say that has to be good choice. All right, now answer my last question. Best wine around 15 bucks, 15, 20 bucks. I need a red. I need a white. I'm going to force you to the Long Island edition. Okay. So I want you to give me, let's promote Long Island. Can we get a red and a white, 15, 20 bucks? That's good. Yeah, I think that's sort of like the starting point. Let's for sure. start with 
varietals, and then give me Macari's. Okay, sure. Um, I, no doubt, Sauvignon Blanc. Um, you can get for 20 or under Yeah, 15. it's about 20. Okay, um, on multiple Long Island wineries. Exactly. And then you make a Macari Sauvignon Blanc. Yep. What's the retail ticking off So for? that's 24. It's a little bit more expensive, okay. but if you're a wine club member, okay. you get a discount. You get a little, um, okay. But, you know, and red... <sighs> Cap Franc is more expensive. It's super limited. It's it's it I'm spends time in the cellar for a cheap red. Um, and I think so. I think you know a Merlot, an everyday okay. juicy. Are there fifteen twenty dollar yeah, Merlots no, for sure. on Long Island? For sure, okay. absolutely. Okay. Um, so we're looking at a Merlot, and we're looking at. I mean, I would say red blend though, because I, I do like when they're blended. Fifteen yeah. twenty bucks. There we go. Don't go off the chart. <laughs> All right, so that's Gabriella's wine list. All right, our last segment of the show is our weekly wine sip. Every week we taste a different wine on air. For our weekly wine sip this week, I asked Gabriella to bring in a few wines to taste. And we are currently tasting the 2008 Vintage Cab Franc, 100% estate grown, Mm -hmm. that you held back and is available... Through the vineyard, right? So Limited we just, base. Yeah, we just released a couple bottles to our wine club, and you know we we have a couple, probably like six or seven cases left, and it's so it's, let's let's talk about it um, quickly, and then I want to do the soft blonde. So it's a deep purple on the color. The nose is fairly classic Cab Franc. Um, it's not overly vegetal or bell peppery. What do you get on the nose? I get a ton of sort of that herbaceous character, but I love the red fruit, raspberry, yeah, the red cherry. Come out. It's super red. Yep. It, we've been we've opened it for about you know an hour. It's really it's evolving. Yeah. All right, let's throw it over the tongue and let's talk mouth, feel, and palate. So most of our wines are, have a medium body. Um, and I'd say medium, medium plus, mm-hmm. not not a glycerin-y thick. No. Nice mouthfeel. We only get those full bodies in really hot years, and I think that that's the beauty of Long Island. We can be, have this, like, moderate um, overall body, and, and the acidity's high. It's, yeah, it's, for our And red. that's what we love. What do you get on the palate? You get those red fruits. Again, same, yeah. like, lots of red. Yeah. Um, you know, and the, we were talking about this earlier, the tannin's so integrated because I it's think a nine-year-old wine, yeah, which is the beauty. You drink a young Cab Franc from Long Island, the tannins may not integrate. Right. Here's an example. Treat yourself to a bottle of wine like this and see how Long Island can age. All right, what do we think pairs well with this? The classic is the Long Island Duck, Long Island Cab Franc. Um, is that a classic pairing? Sure, yeah. A lot of the chefs. The sauces and right. the fat holds up to the Cab Franc. A lot Franc of chefs go that route. Perfect. Um, yeah. We and did a- I know you like this wine. I always ask my guests because I usually bring in a wine and, you know, sometimes we'll blind test. Sometimes we don't like it. Sometimes we, I know you like this wine. I just want to say that I love this wine. I'm impressed with uh, the ageability. It's a delicious wine. It's very drinkable. It's complex. Um, so kudos to that one. All right. We're going to quickly taste another wine. We're going to taste a 2015, you want to pour? Sure. While I'm talking. A 2015 Sauvignon Blanc. So it's the current vintage on the market. You just released a 16. Right. Um, you just released a 16. And Sauv Blanc is an important wine uh, at Macari. Right? All right. So let's... Let's give this a schniffy. So the color is kind of a light 
color. It's a light Sauvignon Blanc. The nose has, to me, subtle cab sauv notes, not the overpowering citrusy. Oh, subtle, subtle Sauvignon Blanc notes, yeah. It, and that's what we love. You know, we're somewhere, everyone's like, do you, are you, do you compare your Sauvignon Blanc to New Zealand or to, to Sancerre? And for us, it's more Sancerre. It's right. not specifically that, but it's restrained less, right, and less elegant. Less grassy. Exactly, and that's what we love. And for me, I get a ton of grapefruit, and I think that that, you know, there's a lot of salinity, fruit. and I think that the acidity is high, and that's what You're, We're you only compare. talking nose oh, right yeah. now. You're jumping ahead of me. We didn't even get to mouthfeel. All right, so that's the nose. Let's give it a sip. Let's talk about mouthfeel first. So I get... Good attack of acidity right out of the chute. Nice. It's alive. I get that citrus. I get the grapefruit, the after taste, the lingering taste, a little grapefruit. What else? I just think it's it's alive and it's delicious. I think, you know, at the end of the day, if, if a wine is delicious and you come back for another sip, that's, you know, that's the beauty this here. And I think it's, it's definitely summer. another, yeah. Now, you, we, you just said it less than two minutes ago. If you're into that New Zealand grassy, citrusy style, this is a more restrained French style. So, you know, your choice, you can go out and buy it. But if that's what you like, you know, this this is a delicious wine. Um, the mouthfeel on Sauvignon Blancs are usually what? Medium-ish? Yeah, light I mean, to medium? Most Sauvignon Blanc doesn't doesn't spend time in oak. It's fermented right. stainless. We actually bought some concrete eggs, so we're fermenting in, in concrete now, which we love. And um, we, you know, that creates more of a texture and a mouthfeel because there's right. gradual oxidation. But here, this is stainless steel. It's really crisp, really light body. Very crisp. Mm-hmm. What do we pair this with? I mean, oysters, salads, I think like light, lighter fare on its when own. When you say aperitif, salads, like lettuces, romaines, all that stuff. I mean, you can it pairs greener, well with that stuff. Yeah, exactly. Gruner okay. and vegetables, classic. But I think Sauvignon Blanc works too. But shellfish. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, lobster, shrimps, oysters for sure, right? All that stuff, um, which is very uh, prominent on Long Island. So I like this wine a lot, too. For some reason, this past weekend, I was drinking a lot of New Zealand mm-hmm. Sauvignon Blancs. And boy, were they over the top. <laughs> yeah. it, it's a treat to drink this and have good acidity, which is great with right. food. And, you know, a more restrained. And not restrained in the negative way. Right. But, you know, just the style. So that's the 2015 Sauvignon Blanc from Macari. There's the 2015, the 2016, which are available now. We also tasted the 2008, a sort of seller selection vintage, which is available. Um, a um, Cap Franc, which is Gab, Gabriella's dad's favorite. Um, and we like both wines. <laughs> And Gabriella also brought in a Syrah, which we talked about. We didn't taste it, but the family is starting to look at Rome varietals, and there's a Syrah there. We'll get to all the information, but we're going to wrap up um, the show. And if you have a question, a wine happening, or event, hit me up at samatthegrapenation.com. That's Sam at the Grape Nation. Follow us on Facebook at The Grape Nation. We'll post Gabriella's wine list answers on the site. We'll also talk about the wines that we drank so you can get more information on that on the weekly wine sip selections. You could follow us on Instagram at SBenRuby and Twitter at JustBenRuby. And check out our new website, www.thegrapenation.com. 
You'll see a photo of the beautiful Gabriella. You'll see her wine list. You'll see the wines and any background information. There's tons of info. And Gabriella, now talk to us about two things where we could follow Gabrielle on social media oh I'm basically on at McCary Wines all the time okay. which is our, our account and okay. um and we have a pretty active Facebook page, McCary Vineyards. McCary um, Wine yep. on Instagram? Yep. McCary Vineyards on Facebook? Correct. Okay. So keep that in mind. And if people want to get more information on the winery website? Yeah, our website uh, has, has my email, has all of our contacts, um, and, you know, um, everything's there for sure. Okay. So you can go to... McCaryWines.com. www. Macari Wines, M-A-C-A-R-I Wines.com, one long word. And you can get all the info. You can order wines on the site. You can join the wine club. You can get tasting room hours. Mm -hmm. If you want to get married at a cool place, (laughs) you can go there. And you know what? Who cares? You can yell at me later. Ask for Gabriella when you call (laughs) them. She'll help you out, all right? I'm out of here after this show. You're stuck with her. So No, but really, I mean, Gabriella is that much involved in the company and all of that. Um, Before... We shut down the show. I just want to uh, make a pitch for our summer uh, membership drive. As you may know, this show is only possible thanks to member donations. We would literally not be able to reach you every week without the generosity of our HRN members around the world. And now is your chance to join the club because the HRN summer membership drive is back. Becoming a member is so easy and comes with limited edition swag like T-shirts, drink koozies, pins, that you can put on your jean vest. You can sign up for a one-time donation or become a monthly sustaining member by visiting heritageradionetwork.org backslash donate right now. Let's keep food radio and wine radio on the airwaves this summer. So please take a few minutes. Maybe when you're drinking a lot of wine, write an exuberant check, or maybe don't buy that bottle of wine and take that money and become a member. I want to thank our guest, Gabriella Macari from Macari Vineyards on Long Island. Thank you to our engineer, Vitor, and everyone at the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sam Ben Ruby, and you've been listening to The Grape Nation. listening to heritage radio network food radio supported by you for our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events subscribe to our newsletter enter your email at the bottom of our website heritageradionetwork.org connect with us on facebook instagram and twitter at heritage underscore radio heritage radio network is a non-profit organization driving conversations to make the world a better fairer more delicious place And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.